1: Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, where we are safely hidden away from the prying eyes of big evangelicalism. We are so glad that you joined us. My name is Todd Pruitt. I'm with you, as always, with my fellow hosts, Carl Truman, and Amy Bird, who now officially uh, identifies as a woman. And so we are glad that you joined us. Uh, We're looking forward to the discussion today. We have a bit of red meat to throw out for you. It's not red meat that we created, but currently there is a vigorous discussion going on about the latest Disney creation. That is the live action movie. Beauty and the Beast, which is uh, a remake, a live action remake of the classic animated version back from, oh gosh, it's been about 25 years ago now, I think. Well, all of the hubbub surrounds the comments of the director of this live version, Bill Condon, who said that the movie contains, quote, an exclusively gay moment in a Disney movie, end quote. What he's referring to is the relationship between Gaston, who is the kind of the primary antagonist in the movie, and one of his sidekicks, a guy named Lafou. And LaFou has been cast as a homosexual in this movie who clearly has his affections set on Gaston. Much has been written about this. The question we kind of want to delve into is, should Christians take their kids to see Beauty and the Beast, knowing that it has a, quote, exclusively gay moment. And let me just say that a blogger out of uh, northern Virginia, a Christian blogger, did go to see this, and she confirms in quite a bit of detail that it's not just a moment but kind of a running narrative in the movie, in this relationship between Lafou and Gaston. And, and she says LeFou is, is clearly cast as a homosexual. It's not kind of under the surface and only the adults will get it. She says it's made very explicit. It's very clear. He has a, a man crush on Gaston. So Carl and Amy, your thoughts should Christian parents knowing that this movie casts a, uh, a normative light, if you will, on homosexual desire? Should Christian parents take their kids <clears throat> to see this movie? Is it a simple yes or no? Or is it more complicated than that? I
2: guess my first response would be to ask a question. Why okay. would they want to take their kids to see this movie? Yeah, that, that's how I would, would pitch it. I'd throw the question back and say, why do you want to go and see this movie? What is there about this movie that makes it... Intrinsically worth watching. It sounds to me like a worthless piece of junk.
3: A lot of people <laughs> want to see the movie because of the actors and actresses in it. It's, it's well pretty heavily cast. There's yeah. been a lot of hype.
1: Right. But, and, and the, the other page. thing is, the other thing is, again, parents are thinking, "Oh, Disney movie, Beauty and the Beast, the animated version from 25 years ago is a classic. It is a great movie. Live action version of it. Why wouldn't we take our kids? I mean, I saw it um, when I was a newlywed." Um, 25 years ago, and it was a so, great animation. Oh, did you pick up
0: your relational you advice to from the, the Beast, Ty? Right? Let me
1: explain. <laughs> Let me explain. Um, <laughs> oh, I, was, I was a youth minister at the time, and uh, was Catholic, it was an excuse yeah. to take young people to see it. It was a great, great movie. Yeah. Yeah. So you
3: took right, young now, people to see a beast abusing a woman.
1: <laughs> I mean, that thing's just. Jane Greer has just crashed her the over by Her beauty. <laughs> Yeah, excuse me, Gloria Steinem. That's just normal <laughs> behavior here. I suppose the next thing you're going to say is that women ought to be able to vote. Anyway, moving right along.
2: Uh, so, so, by the way, it's not enough to self-identify as a woman to be a woman, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so christian parents are saying hey
1: with all the junk out there here's a wonderful disney movie of course we should take our kids to it now so the question is is that once they know the hubbub and it's going to be very difficult for them not to because this is big news now do they say oh it's no big deal it's going to be kind of flying under the radar screen well apparently it's not flying under the surface it's made very clear what if a parent says well, you know, we're a Christian home. I'm going to take my young kids to see it, and then we'll talk about it, and I'll kind of help guard them from any
2: misunderstandings. What do you think about that? Again, that, that raises questions in my mind. Um, you know, the question then becomes, so where would you draw the line on what you'd take your kids to see? Where is your confidence in being able to talk to your kids about it? Where would you draw the line? Would you take them to a pornographic movie, for example, and, and, and yet talk to them about it afterwards? That's the kind of question that I would want to, to press on. I'm I'm not the kind of pastor who likes to say, you must do this, you mustn't do that when it comes to these kind of things. But I'm interested in probing why people would even want to go and see this movie. Right. Right. That's, that's the question for me. It seems to me that the movie clearly, one, reflects current social mores. So there's a sense in which your children are going to see this somewhere. It's pervasive. But secondly, it's also pressing aspects of sex education from a big screen. Whereas mm-hmm. I think sex education should really be the responsibility of the parents, and, and I would also
1: just ask parents on this who are saying, my kids know it's wrong, and that, but this will give us an opportunity to, to talk about. It. Be a good launching pad for discussion. My, my <clears throat> caution on that is that images are very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Movies are very, very powerful. And while we might think that we have a tremendous amount of influence over our children, which we do, images have a tremendous amount of influence as well. Plus, couple that. Couple what they will see on that movie screen. With all of the other messages they're getting from the time they get up in the morning to the time they go to bed at night, which press upon them the idea that any opposition to homosexuality is somehow hateful. They hear those messages. They see it on Subaru commercials, on jewelry store commercials, sitcoms, cartoons, classrooms. You're hearing this all the time and so that would be my other caution amy let me ask you this um, other than the clearly <coughs> male superiority misogynistic themes in VDM,
3: conditioning our children to overlook abusive relationships
1: yes which you know hollywood is clearly inundated with Definitely another
3: sex education going on in that movie about women <laughs> <laughs> now you actually that i'll and grant woman sexuality i'll grant
1: you that one and, and that's that's a worthy topic to be taken up at some time, because that is
3: little girls yeah. were even interviewed about this. Like if your girlfriend was, fell in love with a beast, right, what right. would you say? And they said, well, I, I don't like the way that he yelled at her and was mean to her. But I would tell her, you know, if that makes her happy, then just keep being as nice and as sweet as you can. And you'll probably change him.
1: Yeah. And clear. You know, I was, you know, we, 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 we chuckle and stuff, but but you're making a actually very. You're, you're making a very good point, which is. Thank you, again, You're welcome. Um, I, and and by the way, I almost said. So, I mean, I did say something really bad. I said you're actually making as though it's yeah, weird. That was, that you would make a good point. Strike that. You are once again making a good point, Thank which you, is which is, in the mind of a child, mm-hmm. uh, let's just say it. Some of these images, the fact that again, coupled with the fact that they're being raised in a, an aggressively morally flattened age don't think that that can't twist their thinking because it certainly can
3: right and i mean there was certainly abusive behavior in the beginning of the cartoon movie i mean the way that he screamed at her uh imprisons her you know holds her in captivity so
1: that's understandable because she father. was being kind of
3: <laughs> rips her her family apart beats down on the door and tells her that she has to starve unless it's with him the abuser but
2: a lot of these things are part and parcel of any fairy story you care to pick right, up. You, right, you, but- you, you, <laughs> you read Hans Christian Andersen stories oh, particularly from the 19th century versions. They're pretty scary. There's some pretty brutal stuff there. But I wouldn't have any objection to my kids when they were smaller, reading The Red Shoes by Hans Christian Andersen. Even though it's a pretty scary story. Right. So I, I think we need to bear that in mind as well. I'm more worried about the, the sexual about, propaganda
3: the about what constitutes sexuality, though. Like it's her job to bring out the prince in this beast.
1: Well, but, you know, you have to understand, Amy, um, you know, we're just a bunch of animals and we need our women. We need our women's to kind of tame us. Interesting. What What don't you understand about Genesis, Amy? Come on. Anyway, um, the, all-
3: the game oh, we, thing, like, yeah, here's the thing that it does bother me that that's always the dividing line of where we're going to speak up. You know, it does make us look bad. I think like we're not going to speak up about this other stuff, but we'll speak up. And then the other part is this character, from what I'm reading, I wouldn't think the gay community would be very happy with being portrayed as mentally unstable mm-hmm. as a little foe here. I mean, yeah. even um, his name means, like, foolishness. Right. And uh, yeah, well, the fool, well, madman, That's what his yeah. name means.
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly, clearly he's he's kind of a flamboyant character and that kind like, of thing. But again, he wants
3: to Gaston, then he wants to kiss Gaston. Like, right. you know, he doesn't really right. know what's going on.
1: Yeah. yeah, but again, you know, we we have to understand that this is being directed by, written by, produced by people who are very much on board with the homosexualist right. agenda.
3: yeah. Just so, saying that they didn't portray it in a uh, a positive way that I would think the gay community would want to portray. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean that, that's, I think that's true on the one hand, that's probably legitimate on, on the other hand, again, you know, the goal is to reorient the thinking of our children. That's, that's the goal. And so, you know, they're not going to come out with a, a sermon on the glories of homosexuality. They're going to introduce it in fun kind of cartoonish ways. Cause that's how you normalize something in a child's mind.
3: Yeah. And it just it seems interesting to me, though, that um, on both ends of the sexuality polls, you know, first you have this, the old stereotypical mes- female message that her sexuality is going to save this mm-hmm. beast. And then now they're incorporating in the other end of the spectrum of adding in this whole gay element, too. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, it's a hodgepodge mess. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the most worrying thing to me about it is that it it just plays, and, and this is why I have less problem with the beauty and the beast theme than I do with the homosexual theme. I think it plays into the, the sexualizing of children. Right. And I think it's that's prob- that's problematic, not simply on the homosexual front, but that's problematic, period. Why right. do you have... Sexual identity themes being played in a child's movie. Thank
3: right.
1: you. Yes. And of course, your question answers itself. And I know you're raising that as a, as a, as a rhetorical
2: question. We, yeah. we know why it is. Yeah. Yeah. Since Freud, we've sexualized children within the womb. Yeah. We can only do anything about it once they've popped out of the womb, of course. Right. But it plays to the modern propaganda that human beings, the nature of personhood is fundamentally and primarily sexual. And I think that's, in some ways, the more lethal message from these things, even than the homosexuality. It's yeah. this idea that we actually have so to have these things in children's, right. children's mm-hmm. movies. Why would you even have a, a strongly erotic mm-hmm. heterosexual theme? Right.
0: Right. And, and look at
3: these princesses on these, a lot of their movies. The way that they're portrayed is even the way they're dressed.
2: <laughs> erotic. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Princesses are always beautiful, of course. You, know, <laughs> they you, don't have like, any, you don't have any in America, but I guarantee you they're always beautiful. So they have be trade so. as <laughs> such, right? <laughs> right, exactly.
1: And and another angle on this for me, and this just gets you know to kind of how I process things also is that I, I just don't want to reward the producers of this kind of thing with my money. I don't want to give them my money because that's really the bottom line for them. They'll continue to produce this <laughs> because of a zeal for their worldview, but also out of a desire to to make money and this is going to make a ton of money because a lot of people are going to see it and i just i just would urge christians to seriously consider if they want to contribute to the proliferation of these kinds of things because and of course on the one hand it's going to be proliferated no matter what but i just want to caution christian parents about the power of imagery as they have their child sitting there before those brilliant images it's making an impact on the way that they think and the way that
2: they process information. Which goes back to my point. Why would a Christian want to waste their time on some yeah. piece of junk like this? Why right. even bother? Why not spend that day walking in the park? You know, to, to quote our friend Tony Asselin, <laughs> God didn't make that movie. God made the trees. God made the <laughs> sky. God made the stars. Do something more constructive with your kids than sit in front of a screen. Right. Uh, read them some Shakespeare. You know how much Shakespeare have your kids heard? Read them yeah. some Shakespeare. Don't bother with this garbage. Even if there was no sexual theme in it, it's still a piece of garbage. <laughs> Why would you even bother with it? Well, yeah.
3: there's good movies to take your kids to see, and kids oh, enjoy. Oh, the doing
2: Godfather, that. but other than Godfather, that,
0: sure. <laughs>
3: Godfather
2: <too. laughs> that was great movie. movie that okay. I'm aware of. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, God,
3: and, you know got- people who are creative in themselves and put and create. Books and
2: movies and other things. This is for another podcast. I would say movies are like rock music. They're an entertainment. I don't actually think that movies are a particularly serious contribution to our culture. They're an entertainment, I think. Poems, plays, live performances. I think these have made serious cultural contributions. Christians have fallen into the cultural trap of taking movies far too seriously as cultural artifacts. They're not. Mm-hmm. Most of them are junk. How many Oscar winners do you remember from six years ago, even? Right, right. Movies, and I think, are ephemeral pieces of entertainment. So do something better with your time.
1: And let me just say that certain very popular and powerful evangelical groups, I don't know, maybe even call them coalitions, have helped Christians think very lazily about what constitutes culture. Yeah. I'll just throw that out as a little bit of red meat. But evangelicals today are not thinking very learnedly or deeply about what actually culture means and what it means to to be engaged. Now, I know this. I know this going back to an earlier comment you made, Carl. My my 16 year old son never shuts up about wanting me to read him Shakespeare. So. He's constantly bugging <laughs> me. Read me more Shakespeare.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading too much Anthony Eslin recently. Pushing <laughs> myself too high. But anyway, thanks very much for joining us today. If I could summarise the discussion, Amy thinks it's not the gay problem; it's the misogyny. <laughs> the fact that the princess is beautiful—that's the real problem here. Uh, Todd thinks it's all part of a massive conspiracy to make us all gay within the next 10 years. And I think movies are garbage and we shouldn't really bother talking about them anyway. So you have, you have three very different Christian worldview perspectives on this particular issue. Uh-oh. But anyway, thanks for joining us on Mortification of Spin. Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. Remember, we are a listener-supported podcast, and podcasts, unlike movies, are vital. Communicators <laughs> of culture, so please uh, donate for the preservation of Western civilization as we know it by see, clicking see. on the donate button. In the meantime, we look forward to being with you all next time. Who'd have
0: thought? Well, bless my soul. Well, who'd have known? Well, who indeed? And who'd have guessed it? Come together on their own. It's so peculiar. We'll wait, I'd I'd see. A few days, few days more, there, there may be something there that wasn't there, wasn't there before.
2: You know, perhaps
0: there's something there that wasn't there before. What? There may be something there that wasn't there before. What's there, Mama? Shh! I'll tell you when you're older. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about...
3: All right, guys. Man,
1: I love that. What's on the rail for the lizard?
3: You know, what led you to investigate such a bold question? Is the Bible good for women?
1: Statistically, most pastors are going to be preaching to at least a little higher than 50% of their audience will be women. So that's no small niche group.
3: Well, one of the things I spend a good bit of time doing in the book is distinguishing between descriptive passages and
0: prescriptive passages.
2: passages. Well, I'm renowned for being very much in touch with my feminine side.
0: That interview is next time. Join us then.
2: doing there, Amy? Are you, are you making tea bags? Tea- tea. Oh, and you criticize tea me. Bag. You criticize me for granular coffee and you make it. I a whole French tea? press full of coffee this morning. Oh. i switched tea. What sort of tea do you use? Probably Lipton's? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Abomination? <laughs>
3: no, I have all kinds of different ones, but you wouldn't approve of my uh, my mint herbal tea that I'm drinking right now. That's like
2: fruit beer. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Fruit beer. It's
3: not like fruit beer.
2: It oh gosh.
3: I mean <laughs> leaves. Sorry. I mean. Amy, you are you are
1: confirming all of our our worst stereotypes about women now. You know, with Yeah, this let's normalize ridiculous.
3: and romanticize abuse.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I well, my daughters well, watch that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>